Amen, amen, amen. Uh, I want to go to the book of John again. We've been working out of the book of John quite a bit. It's, it's um, really powerful. A lot of things in the book of John that, as I have been reading through again the New Testament, the book of John just has so many powerful insights that um, a lot of time we take text out of here. It's not That's not the only book to read out of. No, of course not. It's not the only book that we preach out of. But it, there's so many good insights that um, the Lord just stirs us in that direction. Go to the 10th chapter, book of John, and we'll be reading in the 32nd through the... Um, through the 36th verse. Then again, the Jews took up stones that they might stone him. And Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from my father. For which work of them do you stone me? And the Jews answered him, saying, We do not stone you concerning a good work, but, but, but concerning blasphemy. And because you, being a man, Make yourself God. Verse 34, And Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, You are gods. I don't know if you've ever studied this a little bit and kind of looked at it, but but it really is, is bringing an inference to, to judgment, to being able to decipher right and wrong in the kingdom of Israel and called them to the order of doing that. But if he called those gods with whom the word of God and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you blaspheme because I said, I am the Son of God. And so I want to go over to another setting here in the 20th chapter. And let's read again. We read this occasionally. We read it, I think, a few months ago we talked about this. But then verse 21 and chapter 20, John. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. And saying this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive. Holy Spirit, Holy Breath of God, Amen. Lord, we just ask you now as we get ready to preach your word and proclaim the goodness of God. We pray, Lord, that you would just open our hearts to hear, open my mind to hear you. Lord, your inspiration, your anointing, it goes upon your word. It's your word, not mine, not ours, but it's yours. And so, Lord, anoint it to our ears, we pray. And touch us and move us and strengthen us today, we ask in your name, Jesus. Everyone said amen. Amen, amen, amen. Jesus had said also in John, the fifth chapter, in the 18th verse, there was another scuffle with the Jews where they also were ready to kill him. And their answer there in the fifth chapter of John was, because you make yourself 
equal to God. Equal to God. As though he was equal, but yet another God. Um, I always had the direction of breaking that down. And it's almost like they, they put this exclusion away from him because the Jews do not believe there are more than one God. In this church, we do not believe that either. Can everybody say amen? And so the Jewish idea of casting him as thinking of himself as another God or an equal God, an equal God to Yahweh, uh, made him, you know, sort of an outsider, and they could cast him away in that way because he thinks he's a God. But when we come to this chapter, the 10th chapter, probably some of the same Jews changed the, the wording a little bit to read a little bit different, to say it a little bit different. Blasphemy because you being a man make yourself the God. You make yourself Yahweh. Maybe they could tolerate it a little bit if he thought he was a different God, another God, equal to Yahweh Jehovah. But when they realize that he's not claiming to be an equal to God, he's claiming to be the God. So upon this premise, we build this ministry we've built for a long time. Everything that... We talk about the Lord. We do not talk about Him secondary. We don't talk about Him separate. We don't talk about Him as being someone else, a contemporary too. But we always look at Him as being Yahweh God. Can you say amen? And so our understanding of Scripture, um, and, and again, let me say before we start, that we all have friends. We have loved ones. We have, I have preacher friends. I have other people that, that I love dearly, that don't believe exactly like I believe, but I'm going to preach it the way the Bible reveals to me. Is that okay? Everybody say amen. And we try and stay right within the uh, words of the Scripture. So either way, the Jews were ready to kill him. Because they are unable to understand or comprehend the mystery of the ages. He came to his own. And his own received him not. He stepped into the darkness, John 1, and the darkness comprehended not. They couldn't understand that God became flesh and dwelt among them. They were ready for a Messiah that was just a man, but he was an anointed man. He was a prophet man. He was a good man, but they weren't ready for God to become flesh and dwell among them. And so what we have is this, this mystery of the ages, and it still goes on. It still goes on in church. It still goes on with the Jewish people, this mystery of God. Paul put it this way, the mystery of God, even of Father and Christ, in which all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. I can stand up here every Sunday morning and preach to you about life issues. How that you live life and, and do these things that are Christian type that we're good people and we do good. I can stand up and I can preach that every Sunday morning and churches everywhere are doing that. But that's not wisdom. 
and it's not knowledge. All of the mystery of wisdom and knowledge are in Father and Christ. You want to figure something out about God, that's where it's at. It's in Father and Christ. And sure, there's outside things, there's, there's things, there's conduct of our life. We know, we know that. But I've determined, and I believe that, it is, if we preach Christ, and all the brothers with us, if we preach Christ, and you get Christ in your heart, that God is going to lead you into righteousness. Everybody say amen. And if I preach to you righteousness, and you get that in your head, you're going to do it as good as you can until you fail. But if you get Christ inside, Christ in you, the hope of glory, Christ in you, the mystery of the kingdom, Christ in you, the mystery of the ages, Father and Christ, if that gets in you, then even if you do fail, the Spirit of God is going to quicken your life and righten your life. Can everybody say amen? Now, I was raised in an era, and, and you spelled out sin. That's what you did. And we will and we do sometimes. We spell some things out. I grew up in an era where you spelled out every sin. And, man, you almost had them. You might as well have wrote them down on a piece of paper. And then as you're walking down through the week here, you've got to look at the paper and make sure that you're not sinning. But you always came up short. But if Christ is in you, you don't need a list. You need the Spirit of God to lead you and guide you and help you and convict you. Does everybody believe that God can convict you of what you're doing? Don't you know when the Spirit of God in you is displeased over certain things and the Lord will begin to just deal with you? He's not bringing the hammer down. He just... He's just dealing with you and, and showing you and helping you to understand that these things aren't good for your life. Now, I could list those this morning. I could give you a whole list of stuff. And a lot of churches, a lot of places do that. But what I want you to understand, that if you get Jesus in your life, if you get Jesus' top priority in your life, if he is king of your life, then you become the servant of him. And you begin to do his will and obey his voice. The Jews stomped out the treasures of God. They were in love with ignorance. They were in love with their own way. They were in love with their own sin. And wouldn't listen when God was trying to reveal to them. He came to them. God came to them bodily. He didn't come to us bodily. He came to them in body form. Trying to show them the mystery of God. And they... Loved their darkness more than they loved the light. I pray, God, that we'll love light more than we love darkness. Amen. So I want to say this, and, and, and I, again, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We all, we have friends, we have loved ones. and But let's, let's make one thing clear. Those who do not believe that Yeshua Jesus is Yahweh God are in concert with the Jews that hated him. They said to him, who's trying to kill you? It's almost, I can see them almost laughingly say, because Jesus said, you have a murderous spirit of your father, the devil. You want to kill me. And they're like, what? 
but they had already taken counsel how they may kill him. Bunch of liars, hypocrites. But if you do not believe that Jesus Christ is Yahweh God, then you're in chorus with them. I, that seems like that's kind of hard. And like, well, can't we just, you know, understand God however we want to understand him, that Jesus was just an ambassador of God. He was a great man adopted by God to do Messiah work. No, if you believe that, you hate him. Anything other than exalting him to the highest, you hate him. Boy, I hit a stump right there. I better, I better hit another gear in this tractor and pull that stump out. The crux of everything about this book is Jesus Christ. You cannot know God outside of Jesus Christ. And that's what this book teaches. And I love this book. Everybody love this book? This book doesn't just teach us how to get by in life. It doesn't teach us how to appease God. This book teaches us of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And when you find Him, you find life, right? You find, you turn your life over to Him, and you're going to find life. So the first order of Christianity, and what I'm preaching about this morning, is where Jesus said, so send I you in John 20. The first order of Christianity is to bring Jesus Christ to the forefront. That's the first order. Nothing else matters more than that. There's no other platform that we can use that's better than that. But Jesus Christ to the forefront, everything in heaven and in earth, Romans 9, chapter and the 5th verse, He being God over all, blessed into the ages. Amen. That's, 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 that's Paul by the Spirit of God. That Jesus is God over all. How many believes that this morning? Say amen. I want to preach to people who don't believe that this morning. We're, we're, we're all on the same page. He is God over all. Amen. And that being said, then, we will not, watch this now, we will not abide those who denigrate the one who we have devoted our lives to, the Lord Jesus Christ. There, there is a, a fellowship that we can have one with another. We can do that with families who don't even believe the same together at all. And we can come together and have steak dinner. We can come together and talk. And, and anybody come in this place this morning, we're all going to be friends to them. Right, amen? We're all going to shake their hand. We're all going to say, hey, it's glad, glad that you're here. Come back, see us again. But I am not going to abide any doctrine. I will not abide any doctrine that denigrates him from being who he is. Because we labor in lifting him up. And those that would bring him down to another level, to another thing, to a separate God, another system. I will not abide with that. And can the church say amen? I hope you as a person will not abide that in your life. I can tolerate a lot of things from a lot of people. 
I mean, I'm not real patient, but I can sometimes. Um, I can put up with some things that I don't like, but I am not going to put up with Jesus Christ being drugged down from the level that he stands. And I'm not going to let that happen in my life. I'm not going to let it happen in my home. I'm not going to let it as much as I can happen in this church. But in 2,000 years, what happened to the church is pathetic. We are realizing, we are realizing that the doctrine and dogmas that are being preached by mainline churches do not lift Jesus to the proper authority. What's happened in the 2,000 years of church? One of the things that's happened, we've talked about this a little bit. Let me mention it again. The church is not commissioned to save the lost. Just flat out not. You are not commissioned to save the lost. You are commissioned to reveal Jesus Christ to the world. And we're going to see it in Scripture here a little bit that I don't know what we think we have that we're going to get people saved if we don't bring Jesus to them. If we don't reveal who the Savior is, how are they going to be saved? I mean, the most ridiculous thing, one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen is Smiley who preaches a whole message about you need to do good things and you need to be excellent and you need to be above and Christianity needs to be, you know, to the top and excellent in all of our ways. And at the end of that sermon, we'll say, if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, lift your hand. They have no idea who Jesus is. And what they're receiving him is empty, it's void, it's whatever you want it to be. And so the church is not commissioned to go out and ask people to raise their hands and say a prayer. There's a different commission. Jesus' mission in ministry is defined in John 17. Listen to these words. I have finished the work you gave me to do. I manifested your name to the men that you gave me. The work that Jesus was to do was not just to raise the dead and heal the sick and cast out devils. It wasn't just to call Lazarus out of a tomb. The real definition of his work why God came in flesh. Why did he come in flesh? To heal people. He could heal people without coming in flesh. It happened in the Old Testament. Prophets healed people. People were healed of numbers of things in the Old Testament. He didn't have to come in flesh to heal people. He came in flesh to reveal his name. I am that I am what Moses saw way back at a bush somewhere many thousand years ago. God came in flesh so that he might show who the I am that I am is. And so he revealed his name. He revealed it to who? He revealed it to the men that received it. He tried to reveal it to the Jews. The Jews didn't want it. But he did reveal it and he finished his work and he revealed and manifested his name, the I am that I am. So many times you go through the scripture and find I am in there. Because he's just revealing who he is. The church was commissioned to preach Jesus Christ in him crucified, him buried, him resurrected, him ascended on high. 
this is what the church was sent out to do. Some months ago, uh, Pastor Rodney had been looking at, at through the book of Acts and, and the sermons that were preached. And he said, and I believe this, that if you trace all of the sermons, all the things that were preached and taught in the book of Acts, it wasn't about Holy Ghost. It was about Jesus Christ. It was about the one who came and died. And it was about the one who went in the tomb and was raised again on the third day and ascended into glory. This was the message of the gospel of the early church. And and then they preached all power and glory and might and dominion belong to him. These disciples of Jesus are the ones who preached this gospel that wasn't about other things. It was about Christ and him crucified. Somehow the church has gone somewhere else. But I'll, I'll present this to you. If the message of Jesus crucified buried and resurrected and ascended into heaven, doesn't save people, then there is no hope. Oh, no, no, we need to, we got to dress it up. We got to make it emotional. We have to fit where people are, where people are living. You know, we've got, we've got to reach there somehow because really the message isn't good enough. I stand here this morning and say, if people don't get saved, by the message of Jesus Christ, they're not saved. They got something. They just didn't get the salvation in Jesus Christ because this thing's all about Him. Can you say amen? It's not about other things. It's about Him. And so all the hope of the gospel is in that message which the early church preached. If God were to send us he breathed on his disciples and said, so send I you. If God were to send us, let me tell you what it would be. It would be to emulate what he did. It would be to take his words, his life, what the early disciples did. He never told his apostles to modify the gospel so that in any way, so that it may be more readily received. And I heard such foolishness quite a few years ago now is, is one of the mainline ministries that went into colleges, and I'm not, I can't remember exactly which one it was. They said, we're going to change our name. Our very name is offensive because Christ was in the name of their group. And we, we need to get in to, to where they are without affronting people with Christ. And I am just exactly the opposite of that. If you don't want Jesus Christ, then go on your way and do your thing. He is the one who brings salvation and no one else and nothing else. And so we don't, we don't affront people with Jesus Christ and run them away. They either will come to him or they leave from him, and that's up to them. But we preach this gospel that does affront people. They may not like it. In this age of Christendom, doesn't believe that we are like sheep among wolves. Matthew 10, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to send you out to preach this gospel, but you're going to be like sheep among wolves. And we don't, we don't believe that anymore. What we believe is that you have to look like a wolf in order to save a wolf. And Jesus said, no, I want it to be obvious that you're not one of them. You're my sheep. 
the sheep of my pasture. I want the wolves to know who you are. And you're going out there like sheep. You're not going to dress up like a wolf, act like a wolf, and then talk to them about Jesus. No, you're going you're gonna to come with this, this, this gospel of his in the first place. And every wolf that doesn't want to change, he's just going to go his own way and do his own thing. And so this, this age that we live in believes that you must modify, somehow modify the message, modify the look, modify how we conduct church business in order that we might get people in our church. The Lord never said to do it. And I said some time ago, and, and uh, you know, I hope I hope that, people come to our church and and they hear this gospel and they want to be a part and that's I'm perfect with that I'm, I'm glad that we we have some that have already done that and and have committed to just be part of us and and fellowship with us in this walk in the Lord but I'm not trying to get people in the church that's weird because everything about church is church growth we're not doing church growth here we're doing Jesus growth. If somebody comes in this house and says, I want to also worship Jesus with you, then I'm good. We're going to go that direction. But I'm not going out there to try and get wolves to come and sit on the seats where the sheep are. I've already worked with wolves in the house of God, and I don't like it. I'm not looking for any wolves to come in and sit down. I'm looking for sheep. I'm looking for people that are hungry after God. Can you say amen? And so the rabbi would expect his name and his words would be on the lips of his trained disciples. So when he says, as I was sent so send I you. He's not sending them to do their own thing. God never sends a preacher to preach whatever he wants to preach. He anoints and puts in that preacher's mouth the word of God. John out on the bank of Jordan. And the word of God went by. Where did it go by? It went by the temple. It went by the priest, the high priest. And it came and God put the word of mouth or word of God in John's mouth. And what did John preach? He didn't preach what he wanted to preach. He preached what he heard. What did Jesus preach? He didn't preach what he wanted to preach. He preached what he had heard. Now I don't need to go back into the Son of Man, Son of God thing here again this morning. But, but Jesus only did what he had heard. And that schooling that he had taken in. So listen to this. I refuse to believe that with the seriousness of the kingdom, this gospel and this kingdom, that the Lord is so desperate that he would send untrained, unqualified, superficial men who are really good communicators. I don't know. I've told the Lord this a lot of times. I'm not a good communicator. And the Lord says to me, I didn't call you to be a good communicator. I called you to preach my word, my name. Well, you know, I just can't draw people. I don't have that charisma that you need. You have to, man, we're fighting against all the 
entertainment of the world here. So we come into church, we've got to entertain. I'm not here to entertain you at all. I hope I don't entertain you. I'm here to preach the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got churches full of good communicators. What are they communicating is my question. Man, they're doing it really good, though. It's really, really good. People come out of there just smiling ear to ear, just as happy, and their life is good, and they've been encouraged in all their life, and, and just it's just great. But these good communicators that are filling pulpits all over our nation, who are they being sent there by? They're not being sent there by the Lord, so who are they being sent by? Because God doesn't send people to be good communicators. He sends men who will speak his... Do you really think Peter was a good communicator? Do you? Do you really think men who had no eloquence about them... I'm sorry, fishermen. You know, we love them, but they're not eloquent. They don't wear the right clothes. They don't sometimes don't even smell right. Man, their knuckles are all beat up. Their skin's hard from being out in the sun. They just don't fit the part. And that's the thing. This, isn't this what the Lord does? Who did you go out into the wilderness to see? A man in fine linen? No, no, no. They're up here in the temple. Who did you go out to see? A, a, a man who's tossed with the wind. Just, you know, the wind blowing and that's who he is? No, that, that's what's happening all over the land. You went out there to see a man who had a word of God in his mouth. And so we've broke it down a little bit. Are we having? A, are we okay today? Everybody say amen. I'm just preaching to us, you know. We all know each other. So we broke it down a little bit. This thing's not about suits and looking right and getting the good, the, the, the right pastor look. I wore a white vest today in case it that was a little flashy. But you know what? I felt like I wanted to wear it. It's good. Am I good? Amen. We're brethren here, right? That's not to separate myself from anybody. They're almost kind of like this no platform up here. I mean, we, it's easier for you to see if we do have a platform. So we'll probably build a platform. It's just easier to see everybody, you know, when we get chairs out and everything. But, but God didn't call us to be proper. Some of the greatest men of God, if you looked at them, you looked at the Apostle Paul, he wasn't anything to look at. He wasn't mighty in stature, but he was mighty in God. We've taken this thing and, and, and made it palatable for everybody. Good communicator. Get up there and say some good stuff, man. Make us feel good. But you'll notice that every prophet and every man of God did not make the congregation feel good, including Jesus. Somebody say amen. And so God is kind of changing. He's cutting some things off of us. And so... Um, Let's look at the scripture to find out who's sending these guys, okay? We know they're coming out of college, Bible college. Uh, we know that they're coming out of, you know, Bible seminaries. Let me tell you about most of them. Is it okay? They're a bunch of lazy, worthless people. I don't think you should ever go in the ministry until you've worked a hard job. You have no idea what life is about until you've worked a job. Somebody say amen. Y'all are workers, so don't look at me like that. 
I'm going to skip work. I'm going to Bible school and I'll get me a church and sit in an office and, and play on the computer. That man's a reprobate. Knows nothing about life. He's a good communicator, though. Okay. Matthew 13, chapter, Jesus gives us a, the kingdom of heaven is compared to, like unto. So if it's the kingdom of heaven, he's not just talking about a field. He's not just talking about planting stuff. He's using that for the parallel of what he's trying to say. That's a metaphor for what he's trying to say. And so the kingdom of heaven, verse 24, is compared to a man sowing good seed in his field. How do we compare the kingdom of heaven to that? The field. The field is the people. The man is sowing good seed. And Jesus broke it down in another parable and said, the seed is what? The logos of God, the word of God. That's what the seed is. The field is the people, right? And so the good man goes out into his field and he sows a field of good, really good, productive wheat. The enemy, man, this guy must be just as hateful. Can you imagine? Here's a beautiful field out there. The guy's got it all plowed. You know how hard it was then to plow. They got the donkeys. They got the, the, they're walking behind. It's terrible. Hard work. Get it all plowed up, leveled down, go out and sow it. Man, he's looking, you know, this is so good. We've got, got a good crop coming up. His enemy went out and sowed weeds out in his field. That guy's a devil. I mean, both natural and spiritual, right? Hard work, but he's done a good thing, and here comes a devil. But the parallel here is about the enemy sowing his seed in the same field. It's all in the same field. God sowed his seed. Here comes the devil. The devil sows his seed. Who are the messengers then that sow the seed in the field? Because if the word of God is the good seed, then the word of the devil is the darnell. He goes right to the same field and sows seed right out in that field. Who is that? Those are the good communicators. They're not sowing the Logos of God. They're sowing something other than the Logos of God in the same field. And then all of a sudden, it begins to spring up. They had some rains, and they're, you know, tending their farm, doing what else. They're taking care of the animals, all the stuff. They're waiting for it to come up, and here it comes up. Man, they are so excited. Have you ever raised a garden? Have you ever planted anything? And see it come up. It's really exciting. I mean, you just stand there. Just, oh, there's a little bug. <laughs> Take that off there. Pretty little plant. And the man that sowed this field, he is so excited because it's going to come up. And it's going to come up good. And, and that wheat, that pure wheat is going to come up out of there. And, and here when it begins to grow, he notices, no, 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 no. No, there's, there's fake wheat in the field. Have you ever seen those little, they almost look like wheat. 
How many's ever seen wheat? There's a little weed that looks almost like wheat, but the, the more it develops, the more you can plainly see that's not wheat. So the devil has sown, his good communicators have sown, instead of the gospel, instead of the logos of God, they have sown their seed into the field. Now we have a problem. Now we have a problem. The man's servant said to him, somebody came. See, they didn't know it until it sprung up. Somebody came and sowed all this stuff in our field. I know this was good seed. It was good field. And now look at it. Boy, there's just weeds and darnell everywhere. Said, shall we go out and pull out the darnell out of the field? And, and, and no, in doing that, you might hurt the wheat. So Jesus, he says, let them grow up together. Now, I want to tell you something. Kay said to me the other day, I said all that, say this. She said the same thing David said, why do the wicked prosper? Why doesn't God strike them down? They're out there spreading a false gospel. They're out there preaching a gospel that's not about Jesus. They're out there preaching a gospel that is weak and poor, and, but they're good communicators with it. And why doesn't God strike them down? This is the same thing, and it's found in this parable here, so we'll understand it, is that God said He's going to wait till the harvest. Years and years and years ago, a man preached this message. He became very popular across all across the states. Payday someday. R.G. Lee, Baptist preacher, man, he got a hold of something. They need to get that sermon back in their pulpit. That someday God is going to reckon everything. Don't think just because it's prospering, just because more wolves are coming in and sitting on the seats and they're communicating really good to the wolves, don't think that that thing is going over with God because there will come a time when the harvest comes in, He's going to gather up all that Darnell and burn it. And only the good sheaves are going to stand. Well, Pastor, it's such a confusion when we see, you know, why do they prosper? David said, same thing. why do the heathen prosper? Why, do, why does this prosper? It's because I want to tell you this. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the devil says. It doesn't matter how much influence is out there. It doesn't matter if the devil is on a rampant out there that has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those who want to hear the gospel are going to hear it. It doesn't matter how much wickedness is out there. Well, pastor, if the wickedness wasn't, wasn't there, then people would serve God. No, they wouldn't. You're going to serve God even though the wickedness is there. You're going to serve God even though they're out there proclaiming things that are not right. Teaching and preaching and it's everywhere that it's not right. It's not producing good fruit. It's not producing the kingdom. And they're out there. But those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled every single time. If you're hungry, it doesn't matter what's out there. It doesn't matter if the devil roars. It doesn't matter if churches all over this nation have given up on the gospel and they're preaching something else. There still is that light of the gospel that people can receive. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 
I'm not preaching anything this morning that you don't already know, that we don't already live in, but but God's going to let things run its course, and then he's going to judge it. Let me say it this way. Right in the face of false doctrine, we're going to keep our doctrine straight. Come on. Right in the face of compromise, we're going to rise up and still live for Jesus. Come on. And so it doesn't matter how that ramps up. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we stay with the good fruit, the good wheat of God, the good word. So Satan's lies and God's true gospel are sown together in the same field. Wiping out Satan's lies will not cause people to turn their lives to Jesus Christ. Believing on Jesus Christ is not contingent on whether sin and false doctrine are all around us or not. And also know this, that sin is no match for the gospel. We know the sin killer. Can you say amen? Every one of us were steeped in our trespasses and sins. Sorry, I don't want to offend you, all of you that have just been righteous all your life. We all had sin in our life, and we all were servants to that. But thank God who delivered us out of the power of darkness. Can you say amen? And it's because of him, not because we have a Bible, not because we come to church and love each other and fellowship, but because Jesus Christ is the power of the gospel. He's the deliverer from sin. There is no good communication that's going to set you free from sin. The power of this gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So those sent by Jesus just keep on preaching Jesus. So let's look at the pattern for being sent and and then we'll conclude this morning. The pattern of being sent. We found it in John 10. I preached about it a couple Sundays ago. Okay. Okay. Let's go to John 3.16 real quick. For God... So loved, he loved the world in this way that he sent his only begotten son, gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting. See, God looked around in heaven and he found his son, and he said, you're going down there. No, well, this, this scripture isn't going to work in that formula. Listen how, how this lays out. The father sanctified him and sent him. So in heaven, he must not have been sanctified then. See, it doesn't even make sense. God didn't send him from heaven. God sent the Son from earth. Sanctified him and sent him. What does the word sanctified mean? We kind of have this wrong interpretation of that. We think we're, we're just not living right and, and you know, we, we start living right and that's sanctified. No, it means to separate comes from the word hagias. It's the same thing as holiness. We've got a lot of holiness churches around here. You know what it means? You don't wear open-toed shoes and, you know, all kinds of things. No. Holiness just means God separated you. It's the ecclesia. Those called out. You're not part of the world. You're not, you're not them. You're not, you're not part of the good communication club. You're separated. That's what you are. You're separate. You're not part of the wolf club. 
You're a sheep. They know you real quick because you're one of the Lord's sheep. Not because you don't wear short sleeve shirts. And so God, God sanctified him, set him apart from all the rest of the rigmarole that was going on, set him apart and begin to pour into him teaching. Begin to pour into him. I'm talking about the Son of Man now. Begin to pour into him. And he learned obedience, right? He's the one. that God pours into him. This is the same picture that the Lord does to his disciples. He is not just bringing them together so he can send them out to, to do miracles. That is a fallacy. He's pouring himself into them. They're going to go out preaching Christ. Remember we said in the book of Acts, Pastor Ronnie said, they all went out preaching Christ. They didn't go out preaching miracles. Hey, believe God because of a miracle. No, they went out preaching Jesus Christ. Because if you believe Him, you're going to see miracles in your life. And so God pours into Him, separates Him from, just like He's doing us, He's separating us from the world. Some of us need to be a little more separate than what we are. But the Lord is doing that work in us. Constantly doing a work in us. How many would say, Lord, if you want to separate me a little bit more, it's okay. Anybody say that? Only the Christians would say that. Lord, I I, I need to be a little more. Sanctify me a little more here. I mean, separate me in my life towards you. And this is exactly what The Father sanctifies him and then sends him. And so Jesus said in John 20, just as the Father sent me, so I also send you into the world system. God gave the only begotten Son into the world, right? Into the world system. And that's where he's sending us. But what's he sending us with? I already told you, Jesus said, I finished the work. What was the work? I have revealed, I have manifested, I have shown them who you are in me and I in you. So, look, here's this this example of what the disciples did. I I love this. So, we're, we're closing, so everybody wake up real good right now. Amen. Everybody wake, say amen. All right. So, here's this example of Acts 4.13 of really what happened in Jesus in John 7, 15. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this one know letters not having been taught? Well, that was wrong. He had been taught. He just hadn't been taught by them. The good communicators. He wasn't taught by them. He was taught by his father. And so what he is going to give is what he is taught by his father. He's not going to give what they have. He's not doing the Mishnah. He's taking what he knows in God's truth in him, and he is delivering that. And so they say, this guy is unlearned. He doesn't, he doesn't, have, he doesn't have any teaching. And Jesus said, yes, I do. I have learned everything of my father. And now in Acts 4.13, listen to this. So Jesus has sent them and said, so send I you, and here they go. And seeing the boldness of Peter and John, having perceived that they were unlettered. He uses the same stuff. 
unlettered, unschooled, and ordinary, they did the same thing. They marveled. Then they realized, we've seen this before. These are the same guys, same Jews, same priest. They marveled when they said over Jesus, he isn't taught. How does he know all this stuff? How does he know this teaching? How does he know his letters? He hasn't been taught. And then you get over to the disciples. They said the same exact thing about them. Because the disciples didn't go preaching their own gospel. They went emulating Jesus Christ. And they realized they didn't have to ask the disciples, who is your father? They realized they've been with Jesus. And Jesus had poured into them. And that's what they were preaching. It's almost deja vu, right? I've seen this before somewhere. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Jesus did the same thing. He came in here destroying our system, and he does, he's not even learned. He doesn't even know all the intricacies of, that we know about the law and stuff. But he comes in here teaching something different and destroying the law. And now his disciples are doing the same thing. What's beautiful about this is this is exactly what Jesus intended for his disciples. The exact fulfillment of Jesus sending his men to propagate his gospel, his name, his words. Now, let's see this. It, it, Jesus said, you remember when Jesus said, um, woe unto you, you whitewashed sepulchers and all that stuff. Okay, I got something. I'm going to do this as the way the Lord did it. Fully on what men say is religiously right. Fully on them. We didn't come to Oklahoma to be pigeonholed. We didn't come here. We'll say this again. We didn't come here to be church number 51. We came here to preach Jesus Christ. And we're going to do it. That's what we're doing here. Let me say, what are you doing in Oklahoma? Well, here's a quick answer. We're here to preach Jesus Christ. Fully on format. Fully on time slots and dogmas. Fully on church rules. Fully, fully on order and orthodoxy. I'm done with it. The longer I get in this thing, the more I'm fed up with it. We don't need more order and more rules and and how we conduct our business. The church is not a business. The church has one business, and that is to preach Jesus Christ, period. Go ahead and let them church us because we're sick of the whole phony mess. How many sick of that stuff? I'm just sick of it. Some of the best services that we ever have are around a fire pit has nothing to do with orthodoxy or order for sure but yet we feel the presence of our Lord in that place and that's what we want can you say amen and so I mean should we have some or I mean all of us can't talk at the same time we only have one preacher this morning we can all sing at the same time 
Well, yeah, there's there's some order, but man, we get here at ten. We got to be out by twelve. We got you know all the order and stuff that we've all done, and it's just been handed to us. The good communicators handed it all to us and said, "Here, preach to the wolves." When we needed to take the sh- the sheep shoulder shoulder to shoulder and arm in arm and and just love each other, bless each other, and worship our Jesus. Find him real in this place. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. And so does that mean that we're just going to have, you know, come whenever you want and we'll have church? No, we have to have some kind of time, right? But if we suffer dissociation because we preach Jesus and we teach him as all in all and everything, then let it be. We're going to turn to those who want to embrace Christ. See, this gospel really only has one focus. And it's not Calvinism. And it's not Pentecostalism. And it's not water. And it's not tongues. And it's not lying signs and wonders. And it's not prophetic meandering. It's not a great commission to go out and get people to raise their hand and say a prayer. There's only one thing that changes lives. One name, one character, one person, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would we try to do anything else? He's the only one that can change a sinner's life. It's the only message that can change a sinner's life. The only hope that we have in this world of any righteousness, of any salvation is the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this was and is what he sends his disciples out to do. Exalt him, reveal him, let his gospel save their lives. Can you say amen? He is exalted on high. He is exalted. I want you to sing this song with me. We don't need a music. We'll just, we'll just bootleg it in there like the early church. He is exalted. He is exalted. He is exalted on high. Creation shall praise Him. The saints shall Adore Him, for He is exalted on high. Oh, He is exalted. He is exalted. Oh, He is exalted on high. Creation shall praise Him and the saints shall adore Him for He is exalted on high. Can we sing it one more time? 